Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a little bit of a different stream today. I want to go ahead and break down a piece of footage that has gone viral on social media here lately, especially on Twitter. You may have already seen it. It's kind of been everywhere. If you want to go ahead and watch this, of course, remember that you can always catch the video version of this show on YouTube or on Blaze TV. But I'll be describing what happens in this video clip as we go along, so you'll get a very good idea of what's happening as we go. Now, I just wanna go ahead and say from the outset that we don't know some of the context for this video clip. Apparently this originally serviced about a month ago uh, with Andy No, uh, does a lot of good reporting on many such incidents and we haven't learned a lot since. And that's a big part of this clip because as we'll see, if there were different roles, if there were different people involved on each side of what happens here, we would know everything about what is going on. We would know everything about the people involved. This would be the biggest story in the nation, uh, probably for weeks or months on end. And so I want to go ahead and break down what happened here. Now, this clip is not very long, so I'll play the whole clip first so we can get an idea of what's going on. And then I'll go back through and we'll break down what's happening here, what the power dynamic is, and why this clip that otherwise would have gone very wide and been a huge story in America just seemed to have disappeared up until it kind of popped back up on social media uh, this week. But let's go ahead and take a look. For those who are listening on the podcast, I'll set a little bit of framing here. We have a couple on a train, and it is a white couple with their infant, and there is a black man across from them on this subway train. I believe this is in New York. And we're going to see as this go, goes along that the gentleman standing over here, I, I shouldn't say gentleman, he's, he's not a gentleman at all, but you know, I'm, I'm from the South, so it's just kind of automatic. Uh, but this guy standing over here is going to really verbally harass these people. He's going to lay down what is a really horrific anti-white tirade. It's a very, very race-driven tirade. He's going to insult these people. He's going to insult the child. He's going to diminish them based on the race. And we're going to see this dynamic play out. So I'm just going to go ahead and, like I said, play the clip first, and then we'll play it again and kind of break it down as we go. Take them back to Europe with y'all. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, to your Caribbean African citizens. What are Gay-ass All right, so as we can see in this video, uh, the guy gets really belligerent right away, and he starts out just immediately attacking these this couple based on the race. Now, again, I want to say that we don't know the context here. We don't know a lot about what happened beforehand. And to be really clear, no matter what happened before this, no matter what the context of this clip was, this guy going off on this couple like this, berating them there with their child, is unacceptable. There is nothing that could justify this outburst. But I just want to cover the basis and say that we don't know what happened first. So, I mean, maybe they threw a ham sandwich at him or something. I don't know. I, I seriously doubt it. They look like they're just trying to 
get through their day, get as far away from what's happening here as possible. They're trying not to make eye contact. They're trying not to interact. But again, who knows? You, you know, there there could have been some kind of verbal altercation. There could have been some kind of interaction before this. But to, again, to be really clear, there's nothing they could have done to deserve this, right? There, there's no justification for this guy's actions towards these people. He's completely out of the line. He's completely ridiculous. He's obviously trying to physically intimidate them. He's obviously berating them. And he's very confident about the way that he's doing it. Now, we watched the whole thing, but let's go ahead and start from the beginning here again so we can kind of understand what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Take them back to Europe with y'all. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, to the Caribbean and Egypt. Yeah, yeah, so again, we just see all bunch of horrific racial slurs leveled at these two people and their child, right? And again, there doesn't seem to very much be very much interaction. The wife sounds like she might say something to the effect of, okay, whatever, but that's all she really gives him. They're just desperately trying not to make eye contact. They're desperately trying not to interact with this guy, but that's not enough. He seems very bent on attacking these people about verbally berating them and what he's bringing in is all kinds of uh, insults all kinds of slurs all kinds of racial attacks that are the most cartoonish things the things that like a hollywood producer uh, or you know some tv show writer would put in the mouths of racist people uh, who are white the, the the very stereotypes that they would they would use to try to portray you know, white people, maybe from the South or something is racist. This guy is leveling all of them in this direction. And why does he feel so confident about that? Why does he feel like it's okay to do that? Well, I think everyone understands that if the roles were reversed, we'll do this real quick because we understand there's not a lot of value in this, but we'll just make it very clear real quick. If these roles were reversed, if this couple said something like this to the guy standing over here, or even worse, if there was some white guy berating a black couple and their child on the subway, that would be the end of their career. That would be the end of their public life, right? They would be completely destroyed. Their actions would be entirely unacceptable. They would lose their ability to have employment. They would lose their ability to have friends. They would be hunted down to the ends of the earth by the news media. We would have to hear endless uh, diatribes about uh, you know white supremacy in America, the, the lack of racial justice, the entitlement of white people feeling that they could talk to someone this way, especially a child, the physical threats of violence, the, the imminent you know a threat to black bodies if these roles were reversed. But of course, you know, it's not hypocrisy, it's hi hierarchy, right? We know that just complaining about role reversal doesn't really mean anything because there is obviously a hierarchy being established here. This guy is very confident in his ability to go ahead and do this without any particular blowback, right? He doesn't expect to be hunted down by the news media. He doesn't expect to blow up on social media and become uh, you know, an enemy effectively of the state. He's not even expecting there to be any kind of legal ramifications, right? And to be clear, it doesn't seem like any of that did happen. As far as I can tell, it seems like this went completely under the radar because of the racial relationship here, because of the flow of power. This guy knows that he's not going to face the same kind of uh, attacks. He's not going to face the same kind of scrutiny. He's not going to face the kind, same kind of social pressure that would have happened if it was someone with white skin berating a black family that way. He understands the power dynamic existent here. And for all the things we have to hear about 
you know, the power and white privilege and all those things in America. It's very clear this gentleman, again, sorry, not a gentleman, but just force a habit. This guy knows who has the power here. He knows who's in control. And he's very confident about his ability to communicate that to these people. I don't know if you're ugly, but nasty ass, mutating, permutating, corrugating, idiotic skin, skin, skin. Shut up, your body don't even last long enough. I'm gonna look younger than him by the time he's my age. So again, we just see this continual attack, this bigot attack, this racial attack on this family. Now, I've seen a lot of people say, well, it's because the guy standing over here berating this family, he doesn't have anything to lose, right? He He's probably some schizophrenic, he's some homeless guy, he's some drug addict, and he's used to going to jail. A, a day in jail is no big deal to him. So he's fine with these kinds of confrontations because there's really no big loss for him if he goes ahead and engages in, with people in this way. Now, I'm less sure about that because, I mean, listen to the way this guy talks. I mean, he brought his thesaurus to this, right? He sounds pretty well practiced in this kind of rhetoric. Now, maybe, you know, he is just unhinged, but it feels like this is somebody who maybe isn't just your average, like, you know, a smack junkie or something sitting on the subway. It feels like he has a very particular uh, vocabulary that he has practiced and using to attack people of a different race, right? Specifically white people here. This is an anti-white tirade that feels like it has been rhetorically practiced. And this should really come as no surprise, right? Now, the, the guy who really blew this clip up originally was Joel Berry. He's uh, from the Babylon Bee. In fact, he's been on this show before. You can check out the episode if you'd like to. But, you know, Joel Berry uh, said that, uh, you know, oh, good job, Robin D'Angelo. Good job, Ibram X. Kendi. You, you succeeded. And I think he was trying to say that as a joke. I mean, he is from the Babylon Bee. I think he was trying to be kind of ironic about that, that this was the end that they were trying to achieve. Uh, but I said on Twitter, you know, unironically, no, this was the goal. This was always the goal, right? This is always the goal. It was not about dismantling systemic racism in the United States or getting rid of hatred in the United States. The type of ideology preached in America's institutions, on American media, in American schools, the CRT, everything like this, the kind of ideology that's being advanced by people like Robin DiAngelo and people like Ibram X. Kendi is specifically designed to create this feeling, okay? He's talking about how much better he's going to be than their kid, how, how most superior his genetics are, right? And he's going to go more into this as we talk about this. This is black supremacy. This is explicitly black supremacy that he's trying to push onto this family. And again, he feels very confident in his ability to do so because he doesn't expect to receive any kind of blowback. He doesn't expect to receive any kind of of social media pressure, any kind of loss of job. Again, maybe he is just, you know, some homeless guy who, uh, you know, who doesn't care, but it doesn't feel that way. It, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, we, if this was again, a white guy, we would know everything about him because he would already have been destroyed. He would have been made internet famous, right? And he would have been destroyed for talking to someone, a family of another race like this and intimidating them with the way that he's doing here, but nothing happened. And of course, no criminal charge comes either. Now you might say, well, no crime is committed here. You're allowed to yell at people in public, even if you shouldn't do that. Well, maybe, but I've got a feeling that if a white guy did this to a black family, that guy, the, they would find a way to charge him. I got a feeling that the police that the, uh, would be pressured by the media 
and other institutions, because we live in a media-run state, you, your justice process is entirely based on your ability to get favorable media top cover. And so if this had been, again, the roles reversed, again, sorry, I know that's, uh, but, but we, gotta, we gotta do it for this one here, then there would be a very different outcome. And this guy would have to think very carefully about engaging in this kind of rhetoric. Now, I want to say a few things here, and we'll get into a little more, but just initially, I know a lot of people had criticisms of this father. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, why isn't he stepping up? Why isn't he doing things? Now, we'll talk about the racial dynamic and why he's not doing that here in, in just a second, but I just want to talk about the physical confrontation aspect of this right now. Understand that this guy is in a confined space, okay, and his wife and his uh, uh, his a toddler, it looks like, are right across from this guy, okay? And this guy looks relatively well-built. So even if this father is some kind of expert in a combat art, you know, he's, he's been taking his jujitsu or his judo, he's, he's a good wrestler or a striker, in a confined space like this, this is a very dangerous situation to have innocent people next to you. Because if this guy is very determined to hurt his wife or his child, he can probably do it, even if the husband, again, is or the father here is very good in physical combat. There's still a very decent likelihood that if this guy is determined that he can go ahead and hurt his loved ones. And again, you don't know the situation. You don't know if this guy is armed, he's got a knife, he's got a gun, whatever. And so when you've got innocent people in an enclosed space like this, as difficult as it is, this guy is showing a lot of restraint uh, because he has to, because he's putting, because otherwise he would be putting, you know, his, his, uh, family in physical danger. Some people saying, oh, he should have gotten between them. We'll see. Um, but, but just saying there's, there's a reason he doesn't aggressively engage beyond obviously the racial dynamic, which we'll talk about a little more here in a second, but let's watch a little more of the film again here. I don't care about the ugly ass kids in your race. Fucking plastic ass body. Debilitated, innervated, emasculated people, incapacitated, indisposed, emaciated, attenuated, tenuous body. I don't care about you. Shut up, you. So. Again, we see him breaking out the thesaurus. Again, maybe this guy is crazy, but he seems very well practiced. This feel, feels like someone whose ideology is very well informed by the world around him and the people who are telling him to behave this way. Now, a lot of people got angry at Scott Adams, right? He, he faced a lot of backlash for saying, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be around communities that are taught to hate me people who are, who are taught specifically a rhetoric of hate towards me simply due to the color of my skin. And for that, he got canceled from all kinds of stuff here. Now, do you think that this family is gonna ride a train, ride a subway in New York again? Do you think they're gonna choose to put themselves back in this situation, understanding all the dynamics at play, right? And so people have, of course, berated Scott Adams, but then the author of this kind of ideology, people like Robin D'Angelo, were just, you know, it was just revealed that she was on camera just a, you know, a few days ago, the footage came out. And she said that there should be what we call, they are now calling affinity spaces. She said black people should get away from white people. They shouldn't have to interact with white people. They should they should basically create segregated spaces and the white people in them should go through struggle section sessions to understand how evil they were. And, you know, the people of color should be affirmed in their identities and, 
and come through, you know, come out with different strategies and how to survive in a world of white supremacy. I don't know if this guy looks like he feels like he lives in a world of white, white supremacy. It feels like he knows who has the power in this situation, right? He knows who has the sanction of the state and the sanction of the media when it comes to this interaction. He knows who feels superior. And he doesn't just feel that, he expresses it deliberately, right? He tells them, I don't care about you, you're white. He, he regularly derides them on, down to a genetic level for being white, right? He tells them specifically how he feels about that. And so it feels like this is a guy who's very practiced in his rhetoric and understands the, the power dynamic at play here. And he understands the power dynamic is not one in which he is the victim and the families are the oppressors or the families are the ones who have the power here, right? Now let's talk a little bit about the, the possible interaction as well on the side again of the husband. We understand just in, just in a physical combat scenario, this is a bad place for him to be with a vulnerable wife and child in this enclosed space. So we already know why he wouldn't act on that level. But you have to also understand, of course, the racial dynamic here. If this guy gets up and delivers a similar tirade, if he snaps back at this guy holding the target bag, he, his life is destroyed, right? If he, meets, if he meets his level of rhetoric, then he's going to be absolutely destroyed. He will lose any opportunity to be employed. He will lose any opportunity to exist in the public. He you know, could lose his ability to bank. He could lose all of his friends. His entire life could be entirely destroyed just because he's trying to defend the honor of his wife and his child. And there are a lot of women on social media, on Twitter saying, where are the real men? Why isn't there a real man who will stand up in this situation? And it's very obvious why that this guy is making the smart choice in this scenario, as sad as it is that society has put him in this position. He is making the correct choice in the scenario he's in. Because if he, even if he didn't match him verbally, even if he just physically put himself between this guy, that could be seen as an escalation. And again, they get into a confrontation, even with all the horrific anti-white rhetoric that this guy is spewing. It seems incredibly like, likely that a video comes out of this confrontation, you know, corporations at this point will just fire people just to avoid any kind of story. They don't care. You're disposable, you're a widget. Your job can always be given to someone else. They can always bring someone in from another country or just, you know, exchange you with the next guy in line for a corporate job. And so they, they, even if you're in the right, even if this kind of video that totally justifies and shows that your action was initiated due to the aggressive and hateful behavior of another individual, just to avoid any kind of possible blowback, especially due to the racial relationship here, a company is just going to fire this guy. And he knows it, right? And he knows it. Not only that, but if he ends up in the situation, he doesn't know what the law enforcement dynamic is going to be. To be very clear, we live in a system that often results in a narco tyranny. Favored classes, people who have been raised up and made to feel superior, which this gentleman very, again, sorry, not a gentleman, but force habit. This guy clearly feels like he's superior to these people due to them being white. He, he says that 
regularly. We don't have to guess at it. We don't have to speculate. It's not some kind of, you know, reading of the tea leaves. He's very explicit about his feeling about his supremacy due to his race as compared to these white people. And it doesn't really matter. Even if he launches into this horrible tirade, if the, if this husband gets involved in a combat with this guy, it's very likely that even in a law enforcement scenario, he's at the very least going to receive similar charges, right? And this guy has a wife, he has a kid. They're probably just trying to get through their day or they're trying to get home after a shopping trip or they had to do something in the city. Maybe they just wanted to sightsee or something. Uh, they're never gonna do it again, right? They're, they're never gonna make that mistake again. They're not gonna put themselves in this position. And this is what this standard, this anarcho-tyranny, this racial casting that is that is enforced by our institutions does in this scenario. People want to talk about white flight. They want to talk to criticize, you know, the response of people who are worried about putting themselves in this dynamic. But this dynamic is manufactured by our institutions. It's manufactured by our educational system. It's manufactured by our media. This dynamic is not a, not a, a, a some random occurrence. It didn't just come out of nowhere. This guy didn't just fabricate his beliefs about his racial superiority and his ability, his position of power out of nowhere. They were all informed by institutions and interactions. And he knows this, right? And so he feels very confident because these institutions have manufactured the scenario that he's in right now, that he can behave in this way without any kind of, uh, repercussions. And again, it seems like he's right about that because as far as we can tell, no arrests, no, no tracking this guy down on social media, no doxing of him, no, no finding out and firing him. None of this stuff has occurred. And so as sad as it is, our culture has manufactured the men without chess scenario from CS Lewis, right? We've ripped out the organ and we demand the function women on Twitter saying, where's the real man? Why isn't he defending his family? Well, you've, now created a society, you manufacture a society where his best interaction, his wisest interaction, his smartest interaction is to defer, is to just get away as quickly as possible from the scenario because he's placed in a no-win situation due to both the cultural and possibly legal double, double standard that could be enforced here. We know that in places like New York, there's often a propensity to drop uh, charges to avoid incarceration, particularly for groups that are considered to be disadvantaged or uh, disproportionately targeted by law enforcement. And so there's entirely a scenario where this guy gets into a scuffle and ends up where the guy with the target bag who initiated this anti-white tirade and this attack on him could get out with, with little to no consequence while he faces serious charges. And if you have any doubt about that, you just check out things like the January 6th protesters versus BLM or Antifa rioters, right? We know that there is a dual standard in much of our justice system, especially in areas like New York that are filled with Soros-backed district attorneys and prosecutors. And so you have to be very careful. I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, the cities, yeah, you got to be in the cities. You know, city life is great. You can't just run away to red states. I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. You, you putting yourself in, in a territory where you don't know if law enforcement is going to step in like that. Right. 
that that if you if you are obsessed with that, then I guess you can do that. But I don't know. Seems like a very dangerous situation. I got a feeling that this family is not going to put themselves in that scenario again. Now, also, there's a social duty here, right? If you had a real social fabric, if you had a situation where you had a a real social understanding, a real uh, amount of of uh, culture built up between these people, the people in this train would step up and they would say, no, we don't yell at people like that. That's not how we behave around here. In our community, that's not how we treat people, right? But because this is a big city and there are no connections and there are no, you know, uh, community uh, fact or no community loyalty that binds these people together, no, 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 just like common decency of this is not how we behave in our town and our, in our city. He feels totally free. He's not, he doesn't, he only, he can isolate. One of the reasons he wins this confrontation without any <laughs> altercation is because he knows that no one on this train is going to interact with this. And we see this all the time in big cities, right? Someone just goes nuts and everyone just stands around while some person gets beaten up. Right. And so this father cannot count on the community stepping up and saying, that's not how we behave here. That's how, not how we interact. That's not what we tolerate here. And because of that, he knows he's on his own, right? And that puts him in a very dangerous situation. When there's no community, when there's no trust built up in this train, in this subway, in this situation, each person is an individual on their own with no hope of anyone else stepping up and helping them to defend their loved ones. And so that's another reason why this husband has to be very careful about what's going on here. Fight, monkey. You a dog in this country. You're a fucking dog. You're nothing over here. You are a dog. Shut up. I'm black American. I'm over you. So you see that it looks like the husband's finally had enough there and look like he's finally going to talk back. And the wife is just waving him away. No, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And that only makes the guy with the target bag here more aggressive. He only gets more aggressive and he, uh, he starts stepping forward. He starts getting more and more in his face, closer to them. And he also then just drops the, I'm a black American. I'm over you. I'm better than you. You don't, you don't have any value here. And so again, we understand that this is, this is supremacy, right? This is a supremacist language that he has been taught, that he has cultivated, that he has practiced, and he has brought to this interaction. He, he is ready for this. Okay, again, maybe he's just crazy. Maybe he's just a homeless guy. Maybe that's true, but I'm not, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I, again, I get the feeling this guy has prepared this. He has thought about this. He has been influenced by the institutions, the culture around him to believe what he's saying. And he is bringing that to this interaction to the point where he's willing to explicitly state his belief in his racial superiority to these people and his position of power and privilege. He's above them. He's over them. Why? Well, because he has been taught that due to his race, he should be in that position. And so he communicates that to these people, again, without any real fear of blowback, culturally, institutionally, any of that. He doesn't expect to be hunted down. He doesn't expect to lose his job. He doesn't expect to have any of those consequences because of the power dynamic at play here. And we need to understand that as long as things like critical race theory 
are allowed to be communicated in schools. And as long as our institutions are allowed to treat people differently and adjust their things of applications like the law and media, you know, media is allowed to focus on things and destroy the lives of people, again, just based on some perceived racial oppression, that this is only going to escalate because how can it do anything else, right? People are being trained and taught that this behavior is acceptable. And you can only expect more of it when we continue to incentivize it in this way. If one group of people feels like they are more than fine and more than free to treat another group of people that way, then they will continue because that's just human nature. And it has to be completely unacceptable in our society. That said, uh, let me go ahead and grab a few super chats we had here real quick. Uh, Creeper Weirdo, $2. I can't say that word on YouTube. Sorry. Yes, please make sure that you keep your super chats calm. Uh, guys, I know it's a disturbing situation, but you do need to make sure not to rise to that level for, again, the same reason that we just talked about there. Um, Super Joe's midlife crisis. Um, here for $10. Thank you very much. Of course, this was always the goal. They knew, uh, they know academic hypotheticals disappear once the ideas filter down to street level where the distinction between whiteness and white people means nothing. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. That's a really good observation, uh, Joe, because a lot of people say like, okay, this is just Marxist theory. Okay, this is just, uh, this is just some kind of really complicated postmodern Marxism. And that's why this is happening. Uh, but it's really important to understand that that uh, that justifying ideology, like you said, breaks down and filters down uh, when it goes to kind of the average person. And the average person, unfortunately, reacts in this way because that's how the ideology actually functions in practice. You can have these levels of extraction. Oh, it's whiteness is, a, is Western civilization or it's a particular set of rules. And well, it seems like he's very clear what whiteness is, what he's attacking. He's not attacking some kinds of abstraction. He's not uh, attacking some kind of cultural norm, some kind of systemic oppression. Uh, he is attacking these people because of the color of their skin and his feeling of racial superiority. Like his, gen he's again, very specific about his genetic superiority to these people. Oh, my, my skin will be better. Your, your malfunction, you're going to break down because of your race and my race will be better than you. I'm over you because of my race. He said this really explicitly. Again, we don't have to sit around and you know, wonder, oh, what, what did he mean by these words? What complicated Marxist theories are he trying to communicate in this very, very practice speech? Uh, no, he's being very clear about what he's trying to communicate. And I do believe that this was unfortunately the goal of many of the people who have pushed this rhetoric. And again, it makes, uh, again, it makes it uh, a really horrific situation. Uh, Creeper Weeder here for $2. Oren, you can say race actually fits here. Well, yes, of course. He is judging them based on the race, of course. Or like, this is racist in that way, of course. You're, you're right about that. But also remember that he's not going to be punished for this. So the left have altered the definition of racism, right? They've, 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 built it in a different way. Uh, they've created a, uh, an equation where racism can only exist because, because remember racism is the deepest evil. It's the, it's the worst thing that anyone could possibly do. It's, it's the deepest sin that anyone can commit in, in the Western world. And they've reconstructed because obviously racism wasn't, you know, just one group. It's not like white people invented racism or the only ones who applied it. Um, and so, uh, 
the left needed to find a way to absolve their uh, constituency from any attacks of racism. It needed to become a one-sided affair. And so if racism is an observable phenomenon that pretty much every community uh, expresses at some point, uh, often uh, very aggressively, uh, many people in the leftist community uh, express it, then you really need to retool it. If it's going to be something that's a specifically a, a sin of white people, then you need to retool it. And how did they do that? Well, they changed the definition of racism from what everyone just kind of understood it to be, which was a terrible treatment of people based on the color of their skin. And by the way, worth worth the time here just to say it, I'll, you know, just to you should not treat people terribly based on the color of their skin. It is actually just wrong to talk to anyone that way. The way this guy is acting is completely unacceptable. And that is, of course, really horrific. But they altered the definition of racism to keep it from being something universal that you could observe every group doing. And they said, no, racism is power and privilege plus hate, right? It's not just the treatment of the person. It's not just the hatred of the person based on the race. You need to have power in order to be racist. And because in the leftist construction, white people have all the power and people of color do not have any power, only white people can be racist because they have the power, the privilege, plus the hatred that allows for racism. And so they've completely redefined it. And if you try to say any to any leftist, this guy is racist. Any, you know, obviously maybe the average person might say, okay, yeah, I see that. But even average people that I talk to today, if you, if you talk to a lot of millennials and younger, when you talk to them about racism, they'll be like, oh, that's not racism. That's something else. And if you ask them what the something else is, they don't really have a word for it, which is really interesting, right? That the vocabulary to understand the interaction between this black man yelling at this couple and their child who are what, because they are white, that there's no actual uh, vocabulary for that interaction is a very interesting development, right? That's, that, that's, that feels pretty intentional. Uh, but the, uh, the fact that that vocabulary doesn't exist for a lot of people in the younger generation is very important. And so the, it is racist. You're right. It is, it is uh, racism. But because racism has been redefined and, and the ability to cancel based on racism is controlled by leftists, I often don't use the word racist because the right has no ability to punish people who are racist. The left can do it all day long. In fact, they'll just invent racism just to punishment. If they can't find racism, they'll manufacture it. And then they will crucify the person they've accused of it, even if that person has done nothing to, uh, to garner that, right? However, the right has no ability to enforce this, which is why people like Robin DiAngelo can say, like, black people need to get away from white people and face zero consequences. In fact, she'll just be cashing checks all day long from her next corporate client. But Scott Adams says something that's kind of the same, except Scott Adams is just like, I don't want to be around people who are being taught to hate me. But he says that and he's completely destroyed. So the control of the word racism, the public definition is not owned by the right. And the mechanisms of punishment and enforcement are not owned by the right. It is the left who control the definition and the left who control the power around the word. And that's why I tend not to use the word, even though its original meaning would be obviously very accurate here. But I tend to shy away from using the word because I don't own the word. And that's something that people need to think about when, they're using, when they have vocabulary. Because 
most people, most younger generations are robbed of the vocabulary of how to define this interaction. They're like, uh, it's not racism, but it's something else, but they can't name it. And one of the key parts of linguistics is owning names. Controlling names is an incredible power. Okay. If people can't name a concept, if they can't name an event, if they can't identify and classify something, then they have a hard time opposing it. And so the fact that the left have demolished the language to discuss this event, this interaction, this flow of power, where this guy feels way more powerful and way more privileged than the people he's attacking, and he feels more than fine attacking them based on the race due to his superiority, the fact that an entire generation or two have been robbed of the language to describe this interaction means something important. Okay. You need to understand that. That's why, for instance, the left loves to code switch. They love to change the words being used, right? That's why, for instance, um, you know, there was, there was a conservative who was, wrote some kind of book and she was doing a interview and she couldn't define wokeness on the spot. And the left said, oh, see, the right doesn't even know what wokeness is. They can't define it. It doesn't matter. And they were trying to destroy the phrase wokeness. I know a lot of people on the right uh, don't like the phrase wokeness. Fair enough. I'm, I'm with you on that. It's kind of hokey. It doesn't, doesn't really work. It's, it's a borrowed term. It's actually it was originally created by uh, the progressive community to define people of color who were aware of the oppression that they were feeling. And it's, it's been co-opted by the right. But either way, the point is that if you can rob a group of people of the ability to identify a situation, then you can rob them of the ability to address it. And that's why they attack words like woke, right? That's why they attack and redefine words like racist, because they know that controlling that language and, uh, and getting involved in altering people's ability to grasp concepts is a key part of winning an information war. Uh, let's see, uh, creeper weirdo for $5 guys, a literal line is involved here, a train line, but still it is indeed, well, it's a subway line, I guess. Right. Um, let's see here, Adam E for $5. I managed to deescalate a less severe altercation by peacocking physically and speaking in a plasma manner, saying things like no disrespect. Yeah. And so to be clear, maybe there is a better way for this guy to get involved. Right. I'm not saying he's perfect. Uh, but what I'm saying is that his actions here are understandable and the people who are, who were insulting him and belittling him for acting in the way he did and resulting in, in uh, interacting the way he did, they weren't in that situation. So they're all first Monday morning quarterbacking, which is, you know, it's easy to be an internet tough guy in that scenario, especially when you don't have a wife and a child to protect in this scenario. But, um, but also I think he was doing, he was doing his best in an impossible, no win situation to get out of this with the least amount of damage and insult as possible. Right. Maybe he could have deescalated the situation by taking a stance. Like you're talking about, Adam, it's a real risk. You just, again, you don't know. And again, the problem is that if that video gets out right of him getting physically, uh, uh, you know, peacocking, as you're saying, getting, getting physically large and imposing, then the visual can be enough. Again, that's the very dangerous situation he's in, right? Is even if he's in the right, even if all of the, all the ridiculous and hateful things 
that this guy said to him and his family are shown beforehand just a snippet of the video just just the wrong thing even if he gets hot remember it's it's very difficult once you embody that physical move towards possible conflict it takes a lot to control your mouth it takes a lot to control your temperature temper and if and again this is the power dynamic at play if the guy here in the beanie and the target hat if he loses his temper he loses nothing he understands his power dynamic here he's in control of the situation he has nothing to lose right the, the he will not be hunted down on social media he will not lose his job blah blah blah, all that stuff and he obviously doesn't have a wife and child to protect but this guy has everything to lose the father here has everything to lose and so if he stands up and he peacocks in the way you're talking about and he doesn't completely control his temper at all times if he engages in even a hint of the same behavior that this guy is engaging in he could pay a very serious price and that's something he has to keep in mind but you might be right there might have been a better way to handle that physical altercation it's possible but i would just be really careful about you know in just the, the amount of vitriol this guy was taking the amount of people who were taking shots at his manhood and whatever I just wasn't having it. And that's what I wanted to make really clear is this guy's in an impossible, no win situation. So he has to be careful. Um, let's see. We got one more here. Uh, Joe's midlife crisis again, $5. That's a major point. Oren. the one time in recent history, the right owned a name against the left groomer was a major loss for them. Yes. That's a very good observation, right? The left were really not a fan of the term groomer, right? Because it was too powerful. It was too clear. And most importantly, it was too accurate, right? Because it didn't say, hey, these people actually want to directly assault kids. But it did convey the fact that the thing that, things that these people were doing would create a situation in which children would be more vulnerable to predation. And so it struck just the right balance of feeling uncomfortable, right? It made the person who heard it go on defense. It had the power of being true and communicating a very discreet and powerful idea in a way that is still rhetorically punchy and powerful, right? And so uh, I think that is really key to understand why uh, a term like that was decried so aggressively by the left. It was a powerful piece of language, and they did not want it on the playing field, right? Uh, let's say KJ here for 99, perhaps a super naive but Christian response of simply asking the man, hey, are you okay? Could have been a safer form of confrontation here for probably any response puts his wife and child at risk. Yeah, I, I do understand that impulse, right? And if he had done that, it might have de-escalated the situation, but even a basic level of engagement could have brought more attention. We see that just, just the wife saying, hey, hey, you know, yeah, okay, or this guy finally turning and looking at him immediately launched the kind of verbal assailant here into moving closer, invading his physical space, right? And, and intensifying his rhetorical attacks. And so, yeah, maybe that could have diffused the situation. It's, it's possible, but it's also possible that this guy is so aggressive that any response, he was just looking for any attention, any response, any excuse to kind of escalate the situation. And so I think it is the wiser move on this guy's part to just try to get away. He's again, he's not returning kind and kind. He, he, he probably feels that way, right? He's, you know, he's, he has to be hot in the scenario, right? I know I would be furious, but he is showing a lot of self-control in this scenario already. 
and he's avoiding confrontation. He's avoiding putting his family in danger. And really, unfortunately, he's avoiding the really horrific cultural ramifications and social ramifications, media ramifications that could follow from this kind of altercation. So uh, I understand what you're saying there. It does make some level of sense, but I think it probably is wise for him to go ahead and just avoid uh, interacting altogether. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. I want to say thank you to everyone for coming by. Uh, want to go ahead and thank everyone for your super chats. Really great and interesting comments. Uh, we had some really good points there that got we got to delve deeper into the conversation. So I'm glad that you brought that. Of course, guys, if this is your first time coming by the channel, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe. If you want to catch these on uh, a audio, audio podcast, you can go to any podcast platform and subscribe to the Orrin McIntyre show if you want to watch this on any alt tech of course we've got odyssey we've got rumble of course you can catch all of this stuff over at blaze tv and i think that's everything oh do we have another super chat nope oh no we're good okay just want to make sure i didn't miss anything all right guys thanks for coming by great talking to you and i will see you next time